Would you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2. And we have been uh, looking at this series on the church. And uh, let's just read from verse 38, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then would you turn over, please, to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, it, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. A few years ago, I came across a website that advertised itself as the first real church on the internet. Uh, it has a membership of uh, 8,000 people across the world, and uh, it is set up for, quote, those who do not easily fit into uh, church. They offer worship, live worship, on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock GMT, and you can download sermons at any time. There is a communion facility where you can sit around the table uh, and drink, uh, eat bread and drink wine, uh, but it's the communion table that you're sitting around. Uh, with a click of an icon, you can enter the pastor's study and receive one-to-one -one pastoral counseling, and you can uh, bring your offering through PayPal. In fact, as the webpage says, it is just like a local church. Just in case you're tempted to think that it's something wild and wacky that comes from America, it is a Reformed Baptist church with a thoroughly conservative basis of doctrine. It's just like a local church. Or is it? Let's go back to this description of those four pillars that the church committed themselves to in Acts chapter 2. Uh, so those who received the word were baptized, and about uh, uh, 3,000 were added to their number. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Does the cyber church have an em emphasis upon the apostles' teaching? Yes, they do. As I said, you can download sermons at any time. Does the cyber church meet to break bread? Yes, they do, every Saturday night. Does the cyber church have meetings for corporate prayer? Yes, you can enter prayer chat rooms, and you can type your amen after someone's prayer. What is it that is missing that makes us dispute their claim that they are just like a local church? And the answer is fellowship. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Don't get me wrong, the cyber church say that they offer active participation and meaningful fellowship, but the New Testament teaches us that fellowship can only be experienced when you meet together. The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia, uh, and it's used 58 times in the New Testament. It's usually translated as fellowship, participation, or communion. Uh, from uh, that word, we, we get our English words, community, uh, 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 communion, consensus, and of course, communism. It means to share. It's divine uh, by Vincent Word Studies as a relationship between individuals which involves a common interest and a mutual act of participation in that interest and in each other. It's sharing not just one's possessions, as they did in Acts 2, but it's the sharing of one's life, one's heart, and oneself. And you cannot experience that sharing behind a communion, uh, a computer screen on Zoom, YouTube, or even live stream. The internet, uh, all of these things, were a good uh, help to us during the pandemic, but they are not a substitute for church because fellowship is an important ingredient in the life of the church. And for that reason, I want to turn you to the portion of Scripture uh, that we read together in Hebrews 10. The writer to the Hebrews is stressing the importance of face-to-face fellowship. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. He is stressing the importance of Christian fellowship, of actually being together. And from these verses this morning, I want you to notice four things. First of all, the basis of Christian fellowship. Notice what the writer to the Hebrews says there in verse 23. He says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The background to this letter is that many of these recipients, the recipients of this letter, were Jews who had come to believe in Jesus. But in the the heat of Roman persecution, many of them were tempted to go back to Judaism, which was warm, safe, and secure. Many of them uh, had had their goods confiscated. Many uh, of their loved ones had been incarcerated, and some of them had been executed. And the toleration of Judaism by the Roman state and the liberty that Jews enjoyed made it an attractive alternative to these people who were Jews but had come to believe in the Messiah. And so the writer to the Hebrews reminds these wavering uh, Christians that Jesus offered a better sacrifice, that he was a better high priest, and he provided a permanent cleansing. And he says there in verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. We can draw near to God in full assurance of faith, something that the Jewish uh, 
believers under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, could not do. We have this great faith that cleanses us, that washes us in verse 22. And that is the basis for Christian fellowship. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage, he says, one another in that faith that we have embraced. Now, that's very important. You see, koinonia, that that fellowship, that desire for fellowship, uh, exists in the heart of every individual. Every individual is an image bearer of God, and you will know that God is triune. That love exists between the persons of the Godhead. A single person deity, as for instance in, in Islam, knows nothing of love because he's never experienced love because he exists by himself. But in the Trinity, there is love between the persons of the Godhead. There is fellowship between the persons of the Godhead. And so our God is love because he knows love. He knows how to love. And uh, as Jesus said, uh, as John says in, in, in John 1, that the Word was with God and the Word was God. And, and that word uh, was with means literally face to face, that he, uh, the Son and the Father stood in perfect fellowship and perfect communion with each other. In, in John uh, 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 17, Jesus prays for the unity of the church and he says just as to the Father, just as I am in you and you are in me. That so close is the intimacy between the persons of the Godhead that there's interpenetration between the persons of the Godhead that the Son is in the Father and the Father is in the Son. And because of that fellowship that exists, that communion uh, that exists between the persons of the Godhead, and because man is made in the image of God, man craves for that fellowship, that communion, that, uh, that relationship too. And so when God created man, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Because that with Eve, Adam could have a relationship that he couldn't enjoy with any of the other animals. That man as an image bearer of God craves a companionship and fellowship. He wants to belong to a partner, to a family, to a community, to a society. But only in the gospel can true fellowship be experienced. Because only in the gospel can we have spiritual fellowship and, and, and experience spiritual oneness. In marriage, you can have uh, physical companionship. In friendship, you can experience emotional companionship. But only in the gospel, in Christ, can you experience this, this true sense of kononia, this, this spiritual intimacy and this spiritual fellowship. If you uh, turn to 1 John 1, we read uh, in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. You see what he's saying? Because we have been brought into fellowship with the Father and with the Son, we as believers can experience true fellowship. 
And in verse 7 of 1 John 1, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So our fellowship is dependent upon our relationship with God. Christian fellowship, the basis of Christian fellowship is the fellowship that we have in Christ. So you bring people together from all stratas of society, from all kinds of backgrounds. You, you bring them together. It's not like a, a, the Liverpool Football Supporters Football Club or, or the, the PTA. Um, there's, there's something unique and and, and different and supreme because they share together this relationship, this fellowship that they enjoy with Christ. And that provides for them a, a, a basis of interaction that no other society uh, on earth can provide. Now, that makes the church very attractive to unbelievers. Because if unbelievers are made in the image of God, and they're craving this intimacy and this, this, this relationship, that is only to be fully experienced in the church when people come together as believers in Christ. And people are hungry for that kind of intimacy. They'll, they'll sit around and, and watch reruns of Friends, and they never know what it is to have a friend. Or they, they will watch neighbors, but they'll never speak to their next-door neighbor. They'll carry on a conversation with somebody on the other side of the world through the Internet, but they'll never talk to the person who serves them in the shop. And people, because they're image bearers of God, are, are hungry for that. And so they come into church, and they see people from different kinds of backgrounds, different levels of education, and they're all relating together, and they're getting on together. And, and there is true community. And they say, see how they love one another. And so the, the church becomes magnetic to them because the common faith that brings those people together, uh, uh, they, they, they want to understand and they want to uh, appreciate. The basis of Christian fellowship is the gospel that uh, we have in common. You know, you know, if you were choosing friends, would you, would you choose people in the church? Would you, would you, would you really choose them? Well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe you would. But you, you tend to gravitate, gravitate to people uh, that, that, that are like you. But in the church, you have people that aren't like you. But you share this common faith. And you come together to worship the living Lord and to, to open your life to them in a way that you wouldn't do in the world. That's the basis of Christianity. Christian fellowship. The second thing I want you to notice is the place for Christian fellowship. Now, I want you to notice where this fellowship is to be experienced, where this fellowship is to be found. It is true that there is a spiritual bond between all Christians. They are part of the same family. But the fellowship that the writer to the Hebrews is encouraging is more specific than that. Pacific than that. He says in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. He is speaking of meeting together. The authorized version says assembling together. Now, the place that Christians assemble, the, the place that Christians meet is 
The church, not the building, but the community of God's people. It is there in the local church that fellowship is to be experienced. You see that from our Acts 2 portion, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. When they were uh, cut to the heart, when they repented, they were baptized, they were brought into the community of God's uh, people, and they glued themselves to these four things, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. That's, that's the activity, if you like, of the church. That it is the church that is to be the place where this fellowship is to be experienced. Now, of course, we have fellowship with people, uh, other Christians uh, outside our own local church, but the primary place where that fellowship is to be known and to be experienced is in the church itself. Now, we live in days that that needs to be rediscovered. It grieves me really grieves me when people speak of the church in such a way that they either, at worst, they see it as a necessary evil or, at best, an optional extra. But the the church is the house of the living God. It's the pillar and ground of the truth, as Paul tells Timothy. It is the church that is God's way of advancing God's work in God's world. It's God's idea to bring us into churches and bring us into fellowship with uh, one another. We, we, we experience true fellowship and we need to cultivate true fellowship within the church. And one of the things about the pandemic is that um, it has isolated us from each other. And so we, we haven't been interacting in the way that we should and in the way that, uh, that is really necessary. And we need to work hard to recover from that because that person that's sitting beside you is part of the same family. They have been washed by the same blood and they are your brother or sister in Christ. And how dysfunctional a family would be if you never interacted with other members of that family. And as we start to come together, it's so important that we, we work at cultivating this sense of belonging, this sense of fellowship, this kononia uh, in the life of the church. The basis of Christian fellowship, the place for Christian fellowship. The third thing I want you to notice is the benefit from Christian fellowship. Why bother? You in your small corner and I in mine. Let's just keep to ourselves. Let's just keep our head down. We'll come into church. We'll not engage and we'll slip out. We've done our duty and uh, the pot with everybody else. Why bother? Well, uh, in Hebrews 10, he gives us Three reasons. Because fellowship stimulates our love, it develops our gift, and it brings encouragement. First of all, we fellowship to stimulate our love. Look at what he says there in verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. The authorized version says provoke. The NIV says spur. Kistemacher in his commentary translates it, consider carefully how to incite one another 
to love and good works. One of the reasons that we need to meet together and pour our lives into each other is that we need to develop this grace of Christian love. Love is the distinguishing mark of the child of God. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Well, how will all men know that you're a disciple of Jesus if you don't even know the people that come to your church and you never speak to them or interact with them? Another place, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. John says in 1 John 4 and verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love among Christians is not only commanded, it is expected. It is a, a, one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Is, it is evidence of saving faith. We are to love one another. But you see, love doesn't develop in a vacuum. It's not just because you are Christians that automatically and spontaneously you will be filled with a love for that uh, other person. It needs to be provoked. It needs to be stirred. It needs to be um, 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 uh, worked at, incited. And true biblical love within the church will, will not be experienced unless there is true fellowship in the church. You take people from different backgrounds, different ideas, different temperaments, and, and uh, with different baggage, and you put them together and say, you've got to get on with each other. But how, how is that love going to exist without communication, interaction, and openness? You can't have love without fellowship. It's easy to be dismissive of people that you don't know. Very hard to be dismissive of, dismissive of people that you do love. How would the relationship ever develop if you never met and you never spoke? And the simple answer, it, it, it wouldn't love blossoms as you speak, as you get to know, as you open your life to one another. And since biblically we, were, are, we are required to love one another, and we must fellowship together. The aim of Christian fellowship is to stimulate love. Again and again, people have come to me in the church and they say, you know that person, I'm not sure I like them. You know, they're a bit awkward with me. They're a bit dismissive of me. They don't look at me. And uh, then, in the providence of God, they've ended up working together in some department of the, the church. And they've come back to me and they said, oh, I never really knew the, the difficulties that person had to cope with. I never knew the pain that they were carrying. Do you know, do you know they really are nice people. And what has happened, you see, as, as they've begun to work together and open their lives to one another, love has grown. You know, how would a boy and a girl who started to go together ever develop that relationship and deepen their love if they didn't communicate? They need to be together, and they need to talk together, and they need to share together. So it stimulates love. Secondly, it develops gift. Again in verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. We're not only called to love, but we're called to serve. 
And the vehicle for that service is the, the local church. That's Paul's thesis in 1 Corinthians 12. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each Christian has been given a gift, a gift from the Holy Spirit, and that gift of the Holy Spirit is not for their self-indulgence gratification. It's for the benefit of the church. They, the, the gift that God has given is to the church through them. And every Christian is a part that makes up the body, So, and as they function, the body grows strong. But how do you know what your gift is? Unless you interact with people who encourage you to develop your gift. The answer to developing your spiritual gift is fellowship. As you get to know one another, members encourage each other in the use of their gifts. You know, you have this strength. Do you ever think of trying this or... um, Uh, uh, engaging in this ministry or engaging in that work. It's as you fellowship together that you stimulate your gifts. I know I would never be preaching today if somebody hadn't uh, come to me after. I I think it was praying in a meeting. Did you ever think of preaching? Would you ever think of, of giving that a go? And it's that fellowship, that interaction that stirs up the use of gifts. Now, if you live in your shell, in your own little world, and you never open your life uh, to others, you will never know what your gift is. It it amazes me how many Christians go through life and they never discover and they never know what their spiritual gift is. What's your gift? What's the gift that God has, has given you? He has given you a gift. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What, you, what is your gift? Are you impoverishing the church and impoverishing yourself through the lack of exercise of the gift that God has given you? When you say, I don't know what my gift is, well, you've got to be involved. You've got to fellowship. You've got to open your life to other people. So fellowship stimulates love, it develops gift, it brings encouragement. Look what he says there in verse 25, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Christian life is hard. It is a battle. We battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We struggle, and as the writer to the Hebrews will later say, sometimes we lose heart. It's through many dangers, toils, and snares. There are hurts, and there are setbacks, and there are difficulties. And we need help. We need encouragement. We need, as uh, Moses had, those, those men to come alongside him and hold his hands up as he, he prays. And the way that you find encouragement and the way that you do encourage is Christian fellowship. Indeed, the writer seems to suggest that the closer we get to the second coming, the day, the more difficult things will become and the more encouragement we need. Fellowship provides encouragement. It stirs you up. It spurs you on. You know that illustration that we uh, often use with young people at the coal fire? If you take the coal out and set it on the hearth, when it's by itself, it'll grow coal. But when it's in with the other coals, they mutually warm each other and keep each other 
alive. I have never known many Christians, any Christians, any Christians, I'll be bold, any Christians who prosper spiritually on the fringe of a church. Never known that. Some of these Hebrew believers were in danger of spiritually collapsing. And the writer says you must meet together, fellowship together to encourage each other. So when you come to church, you see somebody, and you know, you know, with a, there's a sadness in their eyes, or there's, a, there's an expression in their countenance, and you know that they're struggling, and you can come alongside to them and just put your arm around them and, and encourage them. But that will not happen, and that will, uh, can't happen if you're sitting at home watching this on live stream. That can't happen. That's why you need to be here. Because fellowship is commanded. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9, two are better than one because they get a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls. Pity the man. Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. There's an encouragement in fellowship. The benefits in Christian fellowship. The basis of Christian fellowship, the place for Christian fellowship, the benefits of, from Christian fellowship, and lastly, the challenge to Christian fellowship. Look at what the writer says there in verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. We're called to consider this, how we can cultivate this. Well, you say to me, what is fellowship? Well, fellowship is not sitting in church looking into the back of somebody else's head listening to me preach. That's not fellowship. Now, that's important. You need that, and we must never diminish that. Remember, the apostles' doctrine comes top of the list, but that is not fellowship. Fellowship is not enjoying a night's crack together, playing games and entertaining each other. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is not having a work day in the church where everybody comes down and cleans out the stores that's not fellowship. Fellowship is not even going away for a weekend and spending time together. That's not fellowship. Now, those are good things. In fact, I would go as far as to suggest that you can't have fellowship without those things. You, you, you need to spend time together. You need to socialize together in order to experience fellowship. You see, fellowship at the most basic level is talking to one another about the things of God. If evangelism is talking to non-Christians about the things of God, fellowship is talking to Christians about the things of God. And the challenge is how you uh, that, uh, the challenge is you, that you need to consider how you, that meaningfully can take place in the life of our church. How do you actually get people together to talk about the things of God? How do you do that? Well, one of the ways that we do that is the prayer and care group. groups. But we're not doing those at the minute. But there is that opportunity in those groups informally just to talk together and to share your experiences. I know the older people hate those prayer and care groups. Well, that's maybe too strong a word. But they don't like them. But you see, you older people, you have a wealth of, ex of spiritual experience that would be invaluable in those prayer and care groups. 
that as you talk with younger people, that you can encourage them to persevere in their faith. That's why we have coffee after the services, just to allow people to meet together and say, what did you think of Stephen or Alex? Not Alex, but Stephen was a bit off tonight. <laughs> what did you think? What did you think about that point that he made? And you, you interact and you, you talk and you're talking together about the this, this spiritual things. Uh, so that's the, the formal kind of organization things that we can do. But then informally, we can do that. We can do that. Um, you know, there's um, Priscilla and Aquila, and they, they hear this young man, Apollos, preaching, and he's, he's a great orator, but they notice that his theology is just a wee bit defective. And they say to him, do you want to come up to our house for supper? And they bring him up for supper, and in their home, they teach him the way of God more perfectly. Hospitality. I think that's why the New Testament puts such emphasis upon hospitality. Now, remember, you've got to shift from hospitality to fellowship. Fellowship is talking to, uh, to Christians about the things of God. You've got to, to move from just being together to talk spiritually, to uh, talk about maybe, you know, what are you reading at the minute in the Bible? Or, or here's a shocker. You know, before they go, to say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Just to pray, pray for each other. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. I remember one of the young people in Bethany, we had a, a very major discipline issue that came up in the, in the life of the church. And uh, there was a young couple who were, were friends of this individual. And I wanted them to know before anybody else would know what had happened and uh, I took them into the, the side room and, and I told them the news. And the young man said to me, Stephen, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I think that's the first time that's ever happened in my ministry. Can I, can I pray for you? With tears in his eyes, he prayed that I would receive strength and wisdom to know how to go forward. Cultivating fellowship. You know, we're in Northern Ireland, we're so insular, and we feel so awkward about talking either about politics. Well, leave the politics, you know, when you invite somebody around, don't talk about politics. But we feel awkward about talking about politics and talking about the Lord. But talking about the Lord should be the most natural thing that we do in the world. Because we love Him. We want to serve Him. We want Him to be glorified in this place. Consider how you might incite one another to love and good works and bring encouragement. That's the challenge. So, so yeah, you know, socialize, fellowship together, give them supper. And I think some of the ladies are maybe a bit intimidated. You know, you go to somebody's house and there's this mass of supper. You come to our house, you get a cup of tea and a, a penguin. You know, that's, that's, well, my wife's here, so you, you, you might get cheese and toast as well. But, but just to talk, just to talk about spiritual things and to talk about the Lord. We need to cultivate this sense of fellowship among us. Amen.